0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Marty Smith America Podcast, Volume Three. This week's guest is a big one: Tiger Woods. One of the beautiful parts of having this platform for me is my producer, Jonathan Wiley, whom you will meet in just a moment. Say good morning. What up? What up, Jonathan? Sounds just like Matthew McConaughey. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, he could make a lot of money doing voiceovers. The Marty Smith America Podcast debut is his practice. We're going to get him into the VO world. Anyway, having Tiger is massive for us. He doesn't do a ton of one-on-one interviews, and he was a wonderful interview for us. But we spent 40 minutes with him, 40 or 45 minutes, and only 14 of those minutes made it on the Marty Smith America TV program, and only four or so of those minutes make it on Sports Center. So there's all of this content, that typically never sees the light of day. It just lives on the cutting room floor. Well, now that we have this podcast platform, we can offer the listener, the viewer, the consumer so much more of that awesome time we got to spend. So that is why we're so thrilled that our Tiger interview will now be consumed that way. So what are we gonna do, bud? We're gonna drink one of these beers. Hand me one of them damn beers real quick. Oh. Stories from the road. Wiley, what was your biggest takeaway from our time with Tiger? The biggest takeaway with Tiger
1: is this man. Like he's come a long way from from the 2009 guy to where he is now. I mean, everybody has a has a, an image of somebody until you get to actually spend some time with them. And and I walked away um, impressed by the growth that I could see from afar. I mean, he's really good at golf, man this just is
0: <laughs> there's you know a revelation I mean? everyone no, yeah. mark it down tiger's pretty good at golf
1: no but you know what i mean like anybody that's you know we're around a R- ronaldo like people that are at the best at what they do man they have a certain air about them they do. um but it, it, it was kind of measured you know it was kind of like a guy that just um was a lot more comfortable in an, in his new skin if that makes sense both on and off the course
0: It makes perfect sense. What it is, is it's humbled. It's someone who, Mm -hmm. for his entire professional and adult life leading up to the the downfall, was impenetrable. He was impenetrable uh, from a competitive perspective. He had the perfect image. Uh, Every sponsor in the world wanted to be aligned with him. And then all of a sudden, it all crashes down. And it is now, he has come out, it is obvious to me, having had... The opportunity to sit across from him, learn about him, see him, um, see him, analyze a question posed, consider very vulnerably the way he wants to answer it, and answer it without any veneer. It was wonderful. You know, to to Jonathan's point, to your point, I had a certain image going in of what I thought I was going to get, and he was so open. And so honest and welcoming to all of you, You walks in and says, what's up to all of us? Yeah. He's
1: he's like, Hey, Marty, I
0: loved it when you drank that beer with Dale Jr. Yeah. He said, man, the coolest thing I've seen is when you pounded that Budweiser with Dale Jr. And I, you know, you and I kind of look at each other like, okay, damn, this is our dude. Like, oh, he's, he's our guy. That's awesome. Man, as
1: many of of these as we've done, man, we still kind of, we still kind of get put off by, all the periphery and all the stuff going into it, you know, there's a million people around and everybody's all tight. But then when we get to the guy, they're usually the exact opposite.
0: Look, guys, Jonathan and I have flown around the world together. We are together more than we are with our families. We are brothers. And, you know, we have a very unique relationship that is clairvoyant in a unique way. He doesn't have to say to me, like it, I, I want to try to explain to you how producer reporter works. We are a team, and the producer Jonathan spends exhaustive time preparing all of the logistics. All of the I mean, he is meticulous in timing and breaking everything down in a way that is able to be analyzed by our our, our bosses and by one another, so that we know exactly what's happening when and it is an exhaustive process that he undertakes every time we do a shoot. So, once we actually get to the shoot, it is always interesting to see how all the all the employees what what, what word should i use? All and of the handlers. Handlers, yeah, all the handlers have this that they all everybody has an agenda, right? Our agenda is to sit down with the dude or sit down with the lady and learn about this person. And once we get to that moment, invariably, it's wonderful because we realize, hey, they're just like us. Hey that, hey, that clairvoyance. Do we, we, we got time to tell? tell it's me. a podcast. We got nothing but
1: time. All Go. All right. Well, how's this for clairvoyance? So, so yeah. So you'll see me. I, I do all these hand signals, and, and Marty usually knows what they mean by now. But we. <laughs> most we of them also, are a middle finger. No. <laughs> most of the time. We also have our own little vernacular, too, our own letter, little subset of uh, speaking. So we're in China, right? And and we go from uh, Shanghai to Beijing with Ronaldo, and this you know, man, on these on these deals, like back to logistics, man, it's every minute's accounted for. You know what I mean? Like, and every one is vital. It's a tornado. So we go over, and and you know, we're going. To, we're like, man, how are we going to go to Beijing and not go to the Great Wall of China? So I was like, man, screw it, we're going. I was like, we're not coming all the way. We, it ain't like, you know, going to the Harris Teeter down the corner. We're in China, man. We got to hit the great wall.
0: (laughs) We're never going to be here again. (laughs) We're never
1: going to be here again. So I'm like, all right, we got two hours to get here to where we're going to meet Ronaldo next. We're doing it. We're all in. So we get there and, and man, like we're sprinting, dude. Like it, it's four, you know, hillbillies from, from North Carolina sprinting past, you know, millions of, I don't know. It, it it was, it was quite the, a ado. So we get up there. It's breathtaking. I say, all right, we got 10, 15 minutes. Go kill it. So we shoot all this stuff, and then I'm like, all right, we got to go. So we start rallying up the troops, and we're like, all right, we're on time. We're on time. We're on time. Well, the Great Wall's up on a mountain, y'all, so,
0: you know. You <laughs> yeah, take it's not that, just, just yeah, down a
1: block. You take one of them ski
0: lift things.
1: What are they called? Yeah, ski know. lift, like a... Uh, yeah. One of them, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Visualize It's a ski lift. See, so you go up the ski lift, right? And you get off and we shoot everything and, and so we're, we're ready to go. Everybody's kind of high five and, and we start to descend down to get back onto said ski lift. And I'm starting to see a congregation of people <laughs> and it suddenly dawns on me that that congregation of people is headed to the same place that we are. There's only one pl. There's only one way up and only one way down. The way up was easy. The way down, dude. I'm not Marty. How long was that line, dude?
0: Um, my uh, my uh, honest. I think an honest guesstimate is 500 people. I said we got we got we got to pass them somehow. We got to go because we're going to be late for our next uh, uh, uh engagement. We're going to miss. We're going
1: to miss with Ronaldo, Ronaldo in China. So, so carry on his,
0: from there. I look at him and I swear
1: to you, and this I, this this isn't politically correct, but I look at him. I said. Boys, we got to go Dirty America on them. (laughs) And it it sounds funny and we're laughing now, but no one laughed. Everybody just kind of nodded their head and
0: goes, all right. Paint the picture. Every one of us. So running up to the Great Wall of China, Jonathan has a tripod over his shoulders like Bo Jackson in that iconic poster with the baseball bat, sprinting up a mountain. Our, our camera guys, our buddies, they're brothers of ours too, Greg and Sam Herderman, they are carrying cameras up, running up this mountain. So now we're running down the mountain to get back to the ski lift with all this stuff. Every one of us is pouring sweat, just pouring, pouring sweat. It's July in China. Three hours of sleep. So, so what we do is we're
1: like, all right, so dirty America means we're going to have to be that guy and break the line. So how do we do this? Well, we got this camera gear. We got this reporter. <laughs> we just started acting <laughs> like we were going to do, like we were doing live TV. Like, well, we didn't know anything was going on. We got to get past this line because, you know, we're doing live TV. So we start acting like we're doing. A live shot like we're producing 60 Minutes or something. (laughs) Everybody looks at us like we're space aliens, man. And Marty's just like, yes. And you see the people are lined up. (laughs) It's the dumbest thing. And our camera guy's like, yeah. Meanwhile, the cameras aren't on. They're not hooked up
0: to anything. It's like... Sam threw that camera on his shoulder and I just started talking. That's right, everyone. You can see just how popular... It is, to be at the Great Wall of China. The line is extremely long now. It was a breathtaking experience. Again, Dude. we're from the United States. None of us ever dreamed we'd have this tremendous opportunity to see the Great Wall. As you can see, we're not alone. This is an international icon, one of the wonders of the world. It's longer than half of the equator. It took a, I don't know, a million man hours to build. I'm pulling all this stuff straight out of my keister. And then we meet our, we meet our match. We get all the way to the door and we're like,
1: all right, this is when it's going to get. Don't, don't forget we're in China, man. Like you get in trouble there. Like you ask the ball brothers, you're in trouble. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So we get to the door. We're like, damn, what do we do now? And so Marty meets a friend. Marty meets a friend. Go ahead. Tell him who your friend was and where he's
0: from. So we meet. We, I get to the front of the line, and the way the, – the line was divided. So there was the actual real line, and then we were on the other side of this partition from the real line, which actually had another door. So I am trying while speaking and pulling more BS information out of my keister to open this door, and it won't open. It will not open. And all of a sudden, I look at my guy – what was our boy's name again? I don't know. Oh, I, I, I got to remember it. Anyway – he was from Afghanistan.
1: Yeah, and because, of course.
0: And, but yeah, right, exactly. And he spoke awesome English. So he looks at me and he goes, "You need help?" And I was like, "I do, man. Can you get this door?" He opens the door for us and ushers us through. He's at the front of the real line, ushers us through the other door, past the security people. Like A- who is who is not happy? The whole time he was so damn happy. Puts us in one of the ski lift cars, and we sit down, and we, like all of us, have this look on our, like complete stone face look on our face, and we drag him in with us, sit down, and our cart starts to move, and every one of us, including him, busts out laughing. We made it. And we probably saved ourselves three hours.
1: No, I mean, dude.
0: We wait. don't see Cristiano Ronaldo that day if we don't go Dirty America. Yep, and that, pull off that shenanigan.
1: Yep. So that pretty much sums up our, our, uh, that's our and relationship. A, yep.
0: Uh, that's our team right there. And we got 100. a million of those stories and back to Tiger. Uh, you know, hey, did you tell him about Larry Fitzgerald? You, we, we have, <laughs> before we get to Tiger, which is coming up in just a second, we, we have to paint another hilarious picture for you guys about our travel. So. I will set it up, and then I want you to deliver the punchline. So we did the Tiger Woods interview at Medalist Golf Club down in Hobie Sound, Florida. That's kind of Tiger, kind of considers that his home course. And Jonathan and I show up again. He is neurotic about being early and or on time. He reminds me every single day. In fact, when he sat down to take this podcast with me, we were doing it at 9.30 in the morning. He sits down, turns on the microphone, and says, What time is it? I said, 9.30, Nine thirty, he goes. Hmm. Huh. So he and I are in the uh, clubhouse foyer at Medalist, going over last minute notes and and thought processes we had. And in walks Larry Fitzgerald, the uh, Hall of Fame. You know, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Fame, one of the greatest wide receivers oh, yeah. of all time. Just decided he's coming back for his eighteenth season, and he is going to play five or six holes at Medalist with Tiger. Before we get our interview with Tiger. And so Larry kind of disappears. Larry comes back downstairs with Tiger to play these several holes and looks right at Jonathan and you take it from there.
1: Yeah. So we're sitting there, we're sitting there just chewing it up, man. And I get this tap on my shoulder and I turn around and it's, it's Larry. He's like, Hey, bruh. I'm like, what, man? He's like, Hey, bruh, do I, these shorts look young? (laughs) I'm like, (laughs)
0: So Wiley turns to me and he goes, What's "What the young? hell is young, what dude?" Is young? I said. I, all... I looked at Jonathan and I said, "You need to say Them shorts are young." I,
1: I yeah. said. They I said. So... I said, "Man, I don't know what young is, <laughs> but you need to go change, man. <laughs> <laughs> those are a little too tight, bruh." <laughs> like I don't he was know. we gone, like,
0: going with the wind.
1: Like they were going to do some photo shoot or something, and they were, they had a bunch of outfits, and and I guess the one that they tried to sell him on. They shouldn't have tried to salt him on.
0: That's enough of our idiocy. And just so you guys know, again, I'm going to have Jonathan on the Marty Smith America podcast a lot. We got a million of those stories, uh, running around the world together over the last four or five years from the college football world to all these athletes to going to Iceland together for Euros, all kinds of different stories. So we'll be sharing those throughout uh the lifetime here of the Marty Smiths America podcast. But now it's time to get to our interview with Tiger Woods, where he is extremely vulnerable, honest, engaging, and passionate. And I loved having this time with him. We hope you enjoy it. But first let me introduce you guys to Indochino. In our business, it's important to look good on Sports Center and on College Game Day in the interviews that we do. And that's why I wanted to introduce you guys to Indochino. They are made-to-measure suits. And they fit so much better than generic off-the-rack suits. One thing that I love to do is on my custom shirts, I love to have my initials and my athletic number my whole life, 9. I like to have MS9 embroidered on my shirt cuff. And with Indochino, you can do that. They will custom- embroider your made-to-measure shirts and suits inside the pocket. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear company and has been featured in major publications all across the world, including GQ, Forbes, and Fast Company. They make suits and shirts made to your exact measurement for a great fit. And trust me, I'm really particular about how clothes fit. I like my stuff's medium. I like it to be really snug and fit well to my body type. And Indochino is very good at making sure that happens. They provide a wide selection of high quality fabrics and the option to personalize all details, including your lapel, lining, and monogram. Like I said, that's really important to me. And that's one reason that they wanted to be aligned with the Marty Smith America podcast. It's something that I already appreciate and it means so much to me to have them as a partner. Here's how it works. Visit a showroom or shop online at Indochino.com. Pick your fabric, choose your customizations, submit your measurements, wait for your custom shirt to arrive in just a few weeks. And guys, this week is a big week. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $379.00 at Indochino.com, when entering Marty at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. 50% off. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Marty, for any premium suit. Just $379 and free shipping. It's an incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything off the rack ever could. Again, I'm really particular about the way my shirts fit, jackets fit, my pants fit, and I love my stuff to be monogrammed. You can get every bit of that by going to Indochino.com, promo code Marty right now. So when you stand in that tea box and some old jackass hollers mashed potatoes, or mm. getting a hole, mm. or something ridiculous like that. How do you manage that? What are you really thinking?
2: Well, I, I don't really mind it. Um, obviously, those people are just trying to goof around with their buddies, trying to be heard on TV, uh, social media, whatever it may be. But as long as they don't do it in our swings, uh, for me personally, I don't mind it.
0: I was with Rory McIlroy a couple of days ago, mm. and he maintains you lose two strokes a tournament mm. due to that mess. Thoughts?
2: I've had to deal with it for a long time. Yeah, it's not nothing no, new, right? not nothing new for- 20 plus years now uh, so I've I've heard it all and I've had to deal with a lot of things over, over the course of my lifetime and um, people yelling out the, uh, that's not the hard part What well, is that more than anything is the, the movement um, that, that's probably a little bit more uh, of a disadvantage at times um, people move around the greens they um, marshals have a hard time sometimes you know getting everyone to sit still or stand still uh, that part is and can be a little bit distracting.
0: He also told me that he thinks you have five years left in you mm-hmm. and that you're this close to winning now. Mm-hmm. Thoughts?
2: I am pretty close, I think, to putting it all together. It's, you know, Brooks Kep goes out here, and he asked me, so what does it feel like? You know, and I said, you know what it feels like, honestly, that it's like riding a bike, but it's a new bike, and it's a new body. Um, I know what to do. I know what I can do out there, but I have to feel, feel, it feels different. And that's one of the things I'm still getting used to. I put together some of the pieces this past week at, at the Honda and I felt really good about it, but I'm still learning. And when I fully put it together again, I really know my limits, um, then I think I'll start winning to golf tournaments again.
0: Best finish since 2015, I think.
2: That's scary. Like the yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But w- what is the difference? Can you, for, for a layman, what is the difference between how you struggled and how now Kay. you're back? The,
2: okay, the easiest thing is I have no more pain in my lower back. Okay, that's gone. Uh, once they fused it, took out the disc, it's fused. I am just solid as a rock back there. No pain. Difference is I don't have the same range of motion. I'm stiffer there. And, you know, I wake up in the morning much stiffer than I used to. Uh, it takes me a little longer to warm up. Um, my angles that I used to hit on the golf course, the, the angles I used to create with my body, I can't do that anymore. Hmm. And so I'm learning to do it a different way. I have speed. I have the pop. But it's done differently. And I feel pretty good about it, but I'm not quite there yet. I know Rory's a buddy of yours. Mm-hmm. What what defines a true friendship for you? I can trust him with anything. I can I can tell him just about anything, and it never leaves uh, that person.
0: How many friends you got?
2: About a handful.
0: A handful. Mm-hmm. When you
2: look back over true every, friends, yes, true friends, right? Uh, yeah, like
0: people you really consider hundred percent, yes. Just a handful of just them. A handful. Yeah. How do those people ebb and flow and come and go when you have your stature, <clears throat> your career, your accolades, your name? How does that work?
2: You know Interesting, Marty. um, I think three of them I've known since childhood. Naturally. Yeah. So we've grown up together. And then over the years, I've had uh, people come in and and people leave. Life changes. Life evolves. My life has certainly changed and evolved. Um, And same thing with my friends.
0: One thing that I can't stand about myself is Mm. that I care what people think. Mm. I wish I didn't. Damn, I wish I didn't, but I do. How much do you care?
2: A lot less. Um, then people might think, <laughs> uh, I, I really do care about, you know, what people view me as the, the people I love and trust. And, uh, that's as far as it goes. Certainly those, some of those people are your children. Yes, yes. Um, how has fatherhood impacted your worldview? It's changed it dramatically. You know, my, my off time used to be spent playing golf, thinking about golf, practicing a lot. Uh, even when I was healthier, you know, when I just had my kids, I didn't really do that as much. Uh, they are the most important things in my life. And so I do anything and everything I possibly can to help them and, and guide them and teach them. Uh, golf has taken a backseat to any of that. Uh, but more importantly, my health has been the number one thing that's guided me towards where I'm at because I want to be healthy for my kids. I couldn't mm-hmm. play with them anymore. Um it it really sucked to not be able to play soccer with them, not throw a ball around, um, lay on the floor and, and play Legos, do all those all those things that you know every other parent gets to do. I, I just couldn't do it. My back was so bad.
0: What's that fit? What's that like though? It was when hard. When it's like, hey, daddy, come hang out. It was disheartening. Sorry, guys,
2: I can't. It was really disheartening. I tried to, and I tried to suck it up as much as I possibly could, um, but then there are times where I just couldn't get up from where I was.
0: I saw you tell Van Pelt recently at some point that. Golf's not your whole life anymore. It's a part of your life. Correct. What percentage would you put on that?
2: Uh, It's increased of late because I'm back playing competitive golf again. Uh, But it doesn't dominate my life like it used to.
0: How has your definition of success changed at 42 compared to what it was at 32 or
2: even 22? Depends what part of my life. Uh, If I say golf, winning, winning is... Where I ultimately want to do uh, what I've done pretty much my entire life off the golf course. It's like evolving. It's just changing and growing. I just want to be a, a better father, um, a better teacher to my kids, and that—that's like true happiness for me. In what areas of your
0: life are you growing
2: the most right now? Uh, I'd have to say one is understanding my my new body. I'm able to play and play golf again out here with my buddies, like I just play with Larry. You know, I I miss that so much. I used to bring my son out here and, and he'd play and I couldn't because uh, I couldn't swing a golf club. I could barely ride in a golf cart. Uh, I miss being able to just go out and play. Hey, my buddies call me up. Come on, let's go play a quick nine. Okay, let's go. I couldn't do that for the better part of four years. And for, for a game that's been a part of my life since I could you know, as far as I can remember, you know, it's been a part of my whole life. Now I couldn't do it That was very disheartening. It hurt. I had some pretty low periods through there. Finally, I've come out the other side. What were the low periods like? The low periods were, you know, for better part, four to six months that I had to be helped out of bed every day. And there are some days where I just, even you helped me, I couldn't stand up. I'd have to just, you know, either fall to the floor or just stay in bed. Um, That was not a... That was a tough part of my life.
0: What consideration during that time when you're in that kind of pain do you give to saying, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm never going to play oh, this game again.
2: I couldn't. You had no choice. I had no choice. And uh, coming back and playing golf was never in my thoughts. It's just how do I get away from this pain? Uh, how, how can I live life again? Uh, that, put, that was driving my life. I felt like I just couldn't participate in my own life.
0: What do you believe to be the greatest tournament golf shot of your career?
2: <laughs> the best. Take f- a minute. <laughs> the, the best feeling golf shot I've ever hit was at Hazeltine, uh, two thousand two. I hit a three iron out of the eighteenth bunker um, from the fairway. That was the best feeling golf shot I've ever hit. Now, one of the I pull off some difficult shots, but one of my more difficult shots to pull off was probably the the chip at the world cup in japan on the last hole when i was playing with david duvall we had to make eagle to get into a playoff and i hit this little spinner holder shot against this hill and are you one of these guys that remembers all of them i remember a lot of them. Every, everything uh, yeah how is that even possible what is it about you
0: guys that that mental ability to remember all of that
2: i don't know and that's one of the things that actually hurts me sometimes is that i put a lot on memory i have i struggle sometimes when The golf courses change their greens. They redo them, modernize them, uh, add slope, take out slope, whatever it may be. I remember certain pus breaking a certain way. I could tell you the year. I could tell you the round. I could tell you how hard, what I did with it, where I missed it, where I made it. I can tell you all that. But when they put new greens in, I put with memory, and sometimes the just don't break that way anymore. And that will will get to me a little bit.
0: You have 14 in your bag, right? How many majors do you think you've given away?
2: Uh practically i couldn't play probably at least 12 or so man where i couldn't well i couldn't contend in them right. now how many would i have won i don't know but not participating you can't participate you can't win it right. and i wasn't i wasn't even in the tournament
0: how does the joy of winning compare like at this stage of your life your last win hmm. to when you were starting out because when you were starting out obviously man this dude's a phenomenon right win 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 win, win. domination mm-hmm. utter domination what about now
2: you know, I'd have to say it is a little bit different. Uh, when I first started out, I was trying to, be honest with you, trying to get my card. Sure. You know, trying to make sure that I had a, a place to play, I had a place to make a living at. You know, I didn't have what I have now, you know. And, yeah, it, it, it felt differently because I, I was able to prove myself against these top players in the world. I was able to get to number one player in the world. I was able to win majors. I was able to win consistently for a long period of time and the evolution of feeling how it feels to win hasn't changed the gratification that i feel when it's done but i'd have to say the the process which i went through has changed because you know i've gone through different swings i've gone through different injuries i've gone through different things but ultimately if i'm holding the trophy no one else is (laughs) what made you so unstoppable for so long i just wanted to beat you it can't be that simple it hadn't. It, really it can't. Is. It really is.
0: But don't you want to beat me now?
2: Depends on what. <laughs> no, but when I we when can't I, even talk about that because I can't even hit it off the. When team. I compete, um, I get immersed into the competition of it, and I just love not just to win, but I love to beat people, and I love to to go head to heading at somebody, eyeball to eyeball. Let's see who flinches first. I thoroughly enjoy that part of it. And that has kept me going, I think. You know, on, on weeks where I've, I've heard other tour players say they're tired of, of they've, you know, won a couple of tournaments back-to-back and they're not really into it. If I'm it up, my, my whole goal is to beat you. And I have always loved that aspect of it. Um, has it driven me sometimes too far? Yeah, it has. You know, I've caused myself some bodily harm because of it. Um, I have pushed my body beyond its limits. And hence why I'm struggling where I am. You know, for the past few years, uh, why I've hurt my knee. Uh, I've, I've gone through so much to try and beat you. Uh, unfortunately, I wish I had a little more of a governor. Uh, <laughs> I could have, you know, not put myself in these situations. But on the you know, flip side of it, I don't think I would have have won by the margins that I've been able to win by. They might have been a little bit closer. I love to have conversations with great athletes, coaches, about the impacts
0: of their dads. And, you know, yours is well documented. Mm. I've had great conversations even in the last year with Nick Saban and Paul George about their fathers. So I just want to ask you, what do you think is the
2: greatest impact your dad had on you as a man? Love. Uh, He he loved me unconditionally, and he was always there for me. I mean, always. And that's something that when he passed, that's a void that's never been filled, and it never will be. You know, my dad and I were so close. Um... He was a, a we, we could put on different hats, you know. He was my my father, my teacher. Um, then he took orders from me at the, at the foundation. Uh, <laughs> we we put on different roles, um, but it was a, the love and respect we had for one another, and that was earned over time. Um, the respect part of it, the love part, I've always have and always will love my dad.
0: My sweetest memories with my dad are when I was small, just doing stuff with him. Just hanging with him. And I know he took you golfing. Totally. What are your sweetest memories of those times with him?
2: You know, one of my, the, one of my favorite times is when we used to go back on, it, was, it used to be called the Old Back Nine. Um, it was part of the original 18 holes at the Navy golf course I played in Long Beach. And it was basically run down. They've already built another nine holes. And so we would go to the Old Back Nine and go way off in the corner, And we would just hit balls, you know, late in the evening in practice. And he would be working on his game, and I would be working on mine. And there would be, like, there would be no talking. It was nothing but focus, because we knew at the end of the week, the true litmus test is going to be Saturday and Sunday. Who was going to beat who? And he had to get ready to try and beat his little son. And I was getting ready to, you know, kick my dad's butt. And we would just sit there and just practice and practice and practice. Uh, that part was fun. I thoroughly missed it. Um, another good story is that I was too young to play at the Navy golf course. You had to be 10 or older. And so I used to get dropped off, uh, at the, the front gate. My mom would drop me off. And then I would walk into this, this ditch that ran, ran alongside the clubhouse, the parking lot clubhouse and number one, number two, and basically ran across the, ran around the whole front line. Well, I lay in the ditch. I'd walk on the south side of it because the clubhouse couldn't see the south side. And so I'd walk underneath the the clubhouse. I'd go down one, down two, and I'd camouflage myself, um, with dirt and debris and bushes. I'd lay there. You bury yourself. Waiting for my dad to come. And he always (laughs) called me Sam. So he'd say, Sam, you there? I said, yeah, pop, coming up. And I'd come up. We'd hop on a cart and I'd play with my dad until dark. Why Sam? What's Sam? I don't know. I, I asked him that when he was still alive, and I he says, I don't know. You know, you look like a Sam to me. So he always... He, my nickname, beyond a nickname, is Sam.
0: I've never heard that, ever. Yeah, it's, I've never heard that. I've read ten different reports about why Sunday red. What's the real answer? Why Sunday red?
2: Okay, well, it goes back to my mom. My mom says that my power color is red. And so... In junior golf, i won a golf tournament uh, wearing red. And she said, see, I told you, yeah, red. So the very next tournament, what do I do? I wear blue. Oh. Okay? Uh-huh. So I win. Again, I told her, and I, I just kind of made, made fun of it, poked at her a little bit. And I think I lost the next two out of three tournaments wearing blue. Switched to red, and I went on a hot streak. And, well, ever since. I kept it.
0: Yeah. Ever since. When you look back at... It- you know, obviously Augusta is the Holy Grail. Yeah, right. It's the most famous golf course in the world, probably. Mm-hmm. Why have you been able to be so great at a place that haunts so many?
2: Well, I don't know. It's it sets up well for me. I like the the sight lines, and more importantly, I love to put there. Uh, I know they're they're undulating, they're fast, they're difficult. Well, that's where I feel the most comfortable on fast greens. Um most of my wins on in major championships have come on the fastest of greens. I feel comfortable on, on fast greens, the creativity that it takes to putt them. Well, I, generally, Augusta has been a second shot golf course. You can blow it anywhere you want. Uh, that's changed and evolved. Now it's a driving test. Uh, but still, I when I get on HT, I, I like the sight of it. I like the feel of it. And there's no better... There's no better feeling going to that back nine with a chance to win, and you know it, and everyone else knows it. And to hear the roars, and you know who the roars are from. You know, you know what where the where the groups are located. Who might be in such and such a group? Okay, well, well I, I know that's an Ernie roar. Uh, really? I, I said, oh, well, that's definitely a Phil roar. Up there. How? Well, you just know how people cheer for certain really? people. Yeah, you can get a sense of that, and it's really neat. I, I think that. <laughs> And then when I've made a couple putts here and there and I've posted numbers, um, that's been really cool.
0: How's it the Honda Sunday? Just in a chalet having a few drinks with my wife. Shocker. And it's what I do, man. <laughs> it's how we win. You're walking down 18, and the, your, the the roar, the cheers were different. They were louder. They were almost more appreciative than some of the other guys. What's that tell you?
2: Well, I think that for the people here, especially my hometown mm-hmm. where I live, they, they know what I've been through they know how i've struggled and also i've been a part of the community for a long time now my kids uh, live here they go to school here Um, i have a restaurant here i play golf here Um, you know i'm based in this community and so when the people come out at the honda and they're they're following they're cheering they cheer for the the locals more so than anybody else and there's a lot of them here uh i just happen to be one of them what do you
0: want to leave here man when you're done, what do you want to leave?
2: You know, I do this out here for my own selfish desires, you know, I, to compete, to play, to satisfy this urge to, to beat people. Um, but at the end of the day, who really cares? <laughs> um, at the end of the day, it's about, you know, what are you going to leave behind for the next generation? Um, what can you, how can you leave... the the world you you came into a better place. Well, that's very simple for me. That's my foundation. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we're doing with STEM, what we're doing here domestically, and what we're now expanding internationally, you know, within the next two years, we're going to be affecting millions of kids around the world through STEM. And that is only going to grow exponentially. And so, yeah, I've, I can hit a golf ball and I can do this out here, but I'm not affecting the world with my golf. Uh, We're going to be affecting the world with our STEM programs.
0: At what point were you able to say, "Who really cares?" When did that shift occur in your life?
2: You know, it shifted, unfortunately, in 2001. Um, I was in St. Louis when the planes hit hit the towers. I drove back on the 13th, and if I was in, if I was one of the casualties, no one would have really cared about my golf. Um, what was the leaf behind? There was really nothing. Uh, well, now the leap behind is our STEM program and what we're doing to affect millions of kids around the world. That is a leap behind. Hitting golf shots like this, it's not really a leap behind. What
0: did it mean to you to learn that ESPN and the magazine named you the most dominant athlete of the past 20 years?
2: <laughs> it means that I'm old. <laughs> it means I've been doing it a long time. Uh, I've done it well for a long time, but also, you know, I've been around a long time.
0: What moment or shot do
2: you remember when you knew you were great? I think probably life peaked at 11. (laughs) (laughs) I won 36 tournaments that year. I won 36-0. I got straight A's. Uh, Life was good.
0: Damn it, it's hard to go up (laughs) from there, Chief. What do others not know that helped you be so dominant for so long?
2: Well, I think it's all the the work I did in the house uh, working on in front of a mirror chipping just drive my mom crazy when I used to put her crystal up on a table and I used to hit flop shots over it
3: (laughs) Um,
2: now that's real pressure by the way so you know I it's just the amount of work that I put into it outside of what people saw during the 18 holes of competition that one particular day Uh, I put in so much effort and so much time to becoming good well I To be honest with you, I gained a lot of my confidence not through tournament play, but I gained it through practice. And the better I practiced, then the better I played because I knew that's what I was capable of. If I had great practice sessions, I knew I was going to play well because that's how I can hit the golf ball, that's how I can putt, that's how I can chip. If I wasn't practicing well, then what makes you think that I can do that in a tournament?
0: Green jacket, okay. What do you remember about the first time you saw yourself wearing that
2: jacket? Probably two things. Number one, I I didn't think it would look that big on me. <laughs> I mean, that's why you got uh, in the
0: gym. I mean, now we know the truth.
2: It was I was swimming in it. Uh, <laughs> just this, just a it's a iconic, you know, uh, memorabilia, and I was wearing it. Something that I saw all the greatest champions that I've ever seen growing up. They all won it, and here I am at 21 years old, you know, wearing a green jacket, uh, you know, that, that night I tipped back probably, you know, too many, and say <laughs> I know it was too many, and, you know, I ended up going to sleep with it as my blanket, I cuddled up next to it and I was holding like a little blankie, um, that's how much it meant to me, I mean, it really did, to win, win the Masters and to do it there and to do it, you know, with my dad still alive, um, that was awesome.
0: Okay, last thing on the fireman, and I can't say his name. You know who he is. Um, The letter you wrote him following his win is framed in his house. Why did you decide to write that letter?
2: Well, just what he's gone through, what he's been through. Um, He came out here and played, uh, played here at Medalist, and I got a chance to see him. Uh, I think we're going to play a practice round at Augusta too, as well. And so, uh, you know, those are true heroes. Uh, those are true. Uh, are are people that we should be looking to as, as role models?
0: All these young kids that are mm-hmm. taking over mm-hmm. the game now. Every single one of them points to you as the inspiration. Mm-hmm. When you hear that, what do you think?
2: Well, I I felt like I, I did it really well for a long period of time. I did it at a high level, and it's it's strange. You no, know, um, Joe and I were talking about this on Sunday. That we look over at this kid, you know, Sam Burns, we're playing with. And I said, Joey, do you realize he's half my age? <laughs> you know, I never thought I would be on that side of it. But what ha- ended up happening is that when I was winning golf tournaments, then I took that hiatus because I wasn't feeling well for a number of years. That's when a lot of these guys came into the game. Justin Thomas just turned pro. Spieth just got his card. Uh, John Rahm was still at Arizona State. You know, l- these guys weren't out here yet. And then now that I've come back, these guys have now been playing for the last few years when I've been gone. And so that part's been interesting to try and get a whole dynamic and a whole feel for. Um, I'm looking forward to competing. And I'm looking forward to you know playing against them down the stretch and uh, winning events.
0: What Burns say to you that made you laugh so hard?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, had, we had great conversations. Uh, probably the one that stood out the most was... <laughs> He says, yeah, you know, you know DT. I said, yeah, I know, you know David Toms. He goes to LSU, right? So, you know, I've known David for a very long time because he was on our Ryder Cup and President's Cup teams, um, early 2000s. He said, no, no, I'm talking about his son, Carter. Oh my like, they, They're at school together. I'm like, what? Well, hold on. Well, Carter's in college now? So that, that part I got a big chuckle out of because I said, yeah, I know David. I'm, I'm talking about David. He's talking about Carter. And so I, I got a big chuckle out of that.
0: Oh man disease sucks, Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. You
2: got it. Absolutely, I thank you
0: enough. We'll That's tremendous, yes sir. I've had the great opportunity to spend some time with several golfers over the past few years and it's funny discussing Tiger Woods influence on the younger ones. Several of them have told me tales of Their first round with Tiger, and it took them nine or ten holes to start playing their own game and stop watching Tiger play. His influence on the younger generation of golfers is dramatic. You ask any of them about his influence, and they'll go on and on and on, and they'll be able to tell you his most iconic moments on the course, and all of them are thrilled to see him back and healthy and competitive again. Hopefully for them, he doesn't wax the floor with them because I'm telling you, I mean, he looks competitive. And as we speak, he is the favorite in Vegas to win the Masters. Not bad. One of those young golfers uh, who Tiger influenced dramatically is Rory McIlroy. I had the great opportunity to spend some time with him as well. Went down to Palm Beach, Florida, and took him to lunch on Taco Tuesday at the Rocco's Tacos down there for a tremendous conversation about his life. You were saying a moment ago that you feel like you're coming out of the lean part here. Yeah. I Feel like you're coming out of the, the struggle. Why do you feel
4: that way? I'm I'm healthy. You know, even when we when we sat down last year and did an interview, I was coming, I felt like I was getting healthy, but I I still you know, I, I, I was injured and I was managing an injury and I couldn't go through my normal routine. I was still managing things and I was still compensating somehow. Um, where now I feel I'm fully 100% fit again I can practice as hard as I want I can train as hard as I want I can do everything that I need to do to be the best golfer that I can be Um, so my preparation is not hampered in any way I don't have to curtail practice sessions and that means that the more prepared I am the more prepared I can be the better I can go out and play and I I feel like I'm, I'm definitely trending that way um. so yeah it's all it's basically
0: all, all you could do last year when we hung out was trx bands yeah yeah that, it was all almost rehabilitation movements rather than strength agility building movements
4: yeah exactly so it was it, it was more maintenance it was more making sure okay you know how can we keep this injury to a, a minimum so that i can i can just be functional and i can go out and play rather than Okay, I, I, I can get in the gym or I can go practice, I can hit as many balls as I want and um it just wasn't quite there at that stage where, where now it is. I mean there was a point in the middle of last year I'd you know, I'd hold even doing rehab stuff, I'd hold a fifteen pound dumbbell in my left hand and I I just it wouldn't you know, I just didn't feel didn't feel good. I'd get this sort of nervy feeling down the inside of my left arm and just it wasn't it wasn't. What concern good. did
0: you have you'd never be the same?
4: Yeah, there was a little bit of that, or just more, well, not that I could, I'd never be the same, but it was more like, is this something I'm going to have to deal with for the rest mm-hmm. of my career? Is this something I'm going to have to manage? And Because I've had little issues before, whether it be lower back or ankle or whatever, and it's taken me, it hasn't taken me that long to get over it, where this just seemed to just stay there. You know, it just, it was, it, it seemed to never want to go away. And I think as well, like I've spoken to a lot of golfers, the rib area and the thoracic spine area is somewhere that if you do have an injury, it does take a little bit longer. There's not as much blood flow to that sort of part of the body. But thankfully, I'm past that stage and I'm I'm good and I'm healthy. And um, and that's the. I mean, I, when you're injured, you you never you always think, wow, I, I really take my health for granted, I, you know. And then when you're healthy, you never think about being injured, and you know. So it gives you a real a great perspective on when you are healthy. You have to make the most of it, and you have to. You know, give it a hundred percent
0: what's the mental impact of having to go through that when you know okay i was number one in the world yeah. okay i am a major winner i'm one of the best out here but right now i just cannot do it how does that Men- affect you mentally
4: mentally it's tough because and more so not yeah you you can't give the um the best account of yourself and you can't play to your 100 percent capabilities but I think more what was tough for me was the mental side of knowing I wasn't fully prepared to play. Mm-hmm. So you're going into a tournament and you, you know you haven't done the work and you know that, so and I've said this before, it's, and even if I did give myself a chance to win, I felt like I didn't deserve to be there because I hadn't done the work. Really? Yeah, yeah, just a weird, Why? I always thought that, you know, the more work you do and the harder you work, the, you know, the, the better your results will be and then if, you're not working hard. Why should your results be good? You know that. So I.
0: That's interesting.
4: Not guilt, but more, yeah. That, and that's always been a that's been a recurring theme for me. My whole career has been, I you know, when my game's in a really good place, I'll go and I'll shoot 66 or whatever it may be in a certain round, and I feel really happy with it. So I don't need. I don't feel like I need to go practice after the round or do anything. I go and chill, and I, I. I you know, rest up and make sure that my energy levels are good for the next day. But I'll I'll walk past the range and I'll see guys grinding out there, you know, for a couple hours after they play and they might have shot a better score than me. So I'm sort of, you know, I'm sort of thinking, you know, what, what gives me the right to not be out there as well? So, yeah, I don't know. It's, I've always sometimes struggled with that. So even last year when I wasn't really doing my workouts, I wasn't practicing that much and I give myself... You know, I would give my. You know, I would finish top five at the the British Open. I finished top five in uh, Akron at the at the the Bridgeton Invitational. Give myself chances, but I always in the back of my mind, I was like, do I really deserve to be here? Because I knew that I wasn't putting in the work that I I couldn't put in the work because I was injured. But I I was just making do with what I had. You know what great feels like. What's the difference yeah. between good and great? Not a, not a whole lot it's i mean especially at top level golf the margins are so fine so fine um, i mean one you know half a shot around or one shot around is the difference between you, know, you you have a you know you have a guy that say has a stroke average of 68 68 and a half and then you have a guy with a stroke average of 70 i mean it's the difference of being number 1 in the world and number 50 in the world. It's ridiculous. You know, it's really, it really it's ridiculous. is. It's the, the margins are that fine. So there's not that much difference between good and great and that's what I've not realized but I, I've known it the whole time but even in this period I feel like I'm so close to that great part again and the results have been good but it's, it's not that far away and that's what is amazing about this game. You, you know when things are, are just on the verge of, of clicking for you. And that's sort of where I'm at right now.
0: So, is that work after the round the difference?
4: I don't think it is. I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't think it's the work after the round. It's the difference. It's the. It's the little decisions on the course that might, you know, you know, a right club selection or playing the right shot at the right time or, you know, holding a six foot putt that you know, say you've birdied the last hole and you've got a six foot part the next and that six-footer that you hold just gives you that little bit of momentum to go on to the next few holes and feel good about yourself and then you play like I you know last week when I you know played at the Honda here there was one shot I felt that not ruined the whole week but there was one deciding moment in that tournament and it was on the 18th hole in the first round and I hit I went for the green and two and I hit it in the water and I made a double and I ended up shooting two over par and if I had a birdie that hole and shot one under I would have went into the next day. You know, just there's so many tiny little things. I'm not really what it is. I yeah. drink Harrington. I just read that, that amazing interview. Mm. I mean, that thing must have taken three hours. Yeah, it was good.
0: It didn't was, seem like it. The thing that stood out the very most to me was him saying, four major championships for you is a disappointment. And you agreed with that mm. sentiment.
4: Yeah. So what is success for you? What's uh, that number? What's that resume? What is it? I mean, I, for me... I think he was alluding to, sometimes he felt, especially with the the Irish public, they felt like he overachieved with three majors, and they feel like if I only end up with four, then I've underachieved. And in a way, yes, I get that, because he was never expected to do that. And I always had these expectations of winning major championships and doing what I did and doing hopefully what I can still do. Um so and yeah I think I I won four majors by the time I was 25 Mm -hmm. so I'm 28 now so if if that you know if if, you know I'd like to think my best years are still ahead of me and not behind me so that's why I I think if I if I was to be stuck on four for the rest of my career it would be a disappointment Uh, and I'm I wouldn't have achieved everything that I feel like I'm capable of achieving
0: you noted the four, four by twenty-five. Yeah. So you win four major championships by twenty-five. Now you're twenty-eight.
4: You still have four mm-hmm. major championships. Yeah. What's the weight of that? I don't. Feel, I don't so much feel the weight of that. I don't. I don't. You know, the twenty-five to twenty-eight thing. It's just. I feel like I haven't given myself enough chances in the majors since then. I haven't got myself in contention enough. I haven't given. Even if say if I still would be stuck on four right now. I might have lost in a playoff or I had a really Mm -hmm. good run somewhere or I'd be okay with that because at least I'm still giving myself chances like I've had since then since those four I've had four straight top tens at Augusta but it's not that's whatever it's no it's no big deal it's not I'm not giving myself a chance I'm not in contention on Sunday it's I just want to give myself chances so I'd be much more comfortable sitting here with four saying yeah but you know someone held a great pot or made a great shot to beat me and you know at least i was giving myself a chance where i don't feel like i've really been in contention since um so that's been the that's the thing that doesn't it's not a worry but it's more a—I just need to give myself chances again
0: i want to talk about playing with tiger woods yeah how would you describe what it's like to play around with that man it's an
4: experience um the excitement level that he brings to a golf tournament, whether it be people that are sort of my age or a little bit older that watched him do all these great things for years and years, or whether it's kids that have only heard of it and haven't really seen it, he just he, he brings an excitement level to golf that, that no one else can because of what he's achieved and what he's meant to the game and, and how he played the game. You know, and and plays the game. You know, he even watching some of the coverage over the weekend. You know, he'll hit it in the trees, and he'll hit it here, and he'll hit it there, and he'll get drops, and he'll. It's pure theater. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, people tune in because he's sort of that. You know, you can't miss. You know, he might do something unbelievable, and that's the that's the intrigue. So playing with it sometimes can be a challenge because everything that goes on around him is. You know, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of, you know, extra people inside the ropes, all that stuff. But I'd much rather be a part of it than not be a part of it. So, uh, but it's, it's interesting. He, you know, I, I said after I played with him in LA that I feel like with everything that goes on around him, he gives up half a shot a day to the field. And I, I stand by that because... Why? Why does... He- you know, just with everything that goes on with either Movement in the crowd, or people you know they're they're trying to yell just after he hits a shot, but they yell while he's swinging, or you know look what happened at Tory Pines a few weeks ago. He had a putt, and someone obviously couldn't see where he was when he was putting, and they yelled right in the middle of his backstroke, and he missed a putt, you know a putt that he probably would have held if he if he hadn't even put off so there's one shot anyway, so just with everything it's it's but I guess that's a guy being. You know that's a product of his own success and, and of what he's done and and uh, I guess it's no different than I don't know LeBron or Steph Curry or or someone tater else. tater guys another level with Tiger, huh? Yes, Mash tater guys are <laughs> another level with Tiger for sure. Uh, what should the PGA do about it? It's I don't know. I I mean it's I don't know. I don't I don't I'm not like I'm all for having a good time. Like I. If I was one of those fans, I'd be doing the same thing. Me too. You know, that's you know, that's it's entertainment at the end of the day. Uh, I think I would just ask, the, you know, some guys just to respect the traditions of the game a little bit and just be a little bit respectful of us that are trying to go about our business and, you know, this is our livelihood. This we're trying to win a golf tournament. We're trying to, you know, I don't stand over them at their office when they're looking at their screen trying to do their work and yelling at them yeah yeah exactly so there's a bit of that um but look we're in a very privileged position that we get to do this for a living and people come and pay good money pay out of their own pocket to come and watch us play so i get both sides Smash potatoes i can do that bro i got that so that's yeah but i'm 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 fine with it i you know Again, like when I go to a football game, or uh, I'll, I'll be shouting stuff as well. But I don't want to put people off. You know, I think that's the thing. I'm all for having a good time, but just try to do it respectfully.
0: So you played 36 with him at Riviera. Yep. Where would you say his game is?
4: Uh, I think he shows enough good signs to, you know, I feel like all the aspects of his game are pretty much there. It's just a matter of putting them all together on the same day. So, like, when we played, the first day, his his iron play was really good. Um, His short game was really good, but he didn't putt so well. But then the second day, his iron play wasn't good, but his short game was good. And so he, if he pieces it all together, he, you know, I, I think he's... He's going to be close to the winning golf tournaments this year, and um, he wasn't that far away last week at the Honda. But again, it's the margins are so so fine. You know, he, he was eight shots off getting in a playoff, but that's two shots around, which is fine margins. But at the same time, still is quite a long way to go. Um, but is it's right there? You know, he's. I mean, I can't believe the guy that we saw like at the end of twenty fifteen. Or 2016. That guy was done. Yeah, and then to see this guy now, it's it's like a different person. He's moving better. He's happy. You know, he's swinging the club the fastest he's ever swung it. He's, I mean, I you know, what is he? 42, 43 this year. I mean, he's still. I feel like he's still got another five years left of what? trying wow. to do it. Really? I, I mean, I think so. I mean, you look at Jack won the Jack, Jack won the Masters at 46. I see no reason why he he can't be competitive up, up until, you know, his, his late 40s. Phil's 47. He's playing some of the best golf he's ever played. So why not?
0: Time to start talking about Augusta.
4: Yep. What's your confidence level this time around? I've had four years and four top tens in a row. You know, the top tens haven't been right in contention and having a chance to win. I was in the final grip on Saturday with Jordan a couple of years ago. Didn't play very well, but... um it's a golf course that I'm I'm very comfortable at, very comfortable on. Feel like I've got a good game plan. Um, you know, Augusta is a place where it, it entices you into taking on more than you should. Hmm. You know, because you see a pin sort of hanging over there on the right side of a grain. you're like, okay, you know, I, well, I, can, I can go for that. I get, and then you miss it by just a little bit, and all of a sudden you're, you know, you've got to, you know, you're just, it's bogey. You know, it's like you. you You might hit a good shot, but you know it's going to be bogey. So, you just, you got to stay real patient. You got to, you got to play to, you know, the safe side of the green sometimes, pick and choose your spots where to be aggressive. But I feel like I've, you know, I've had really consistent results there without being like, without getting that next level where, you know, you turn that sixth place into, or fourth place into a win.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. But I feel like it's, it's good. I love. I love Augusta. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. Obviously, there's always a different pressure to it now because I know it's the one that I haven't won, and I keep getting reminded of that every time I go back. Sorry, that's fine. It's fine. Again, again, it's. It's. I'd rather be in this position than not be in it. What is that pressure? Define it. Like, like, I guess it's like I'm trying to define it as someone. So you look at any other sport and you're trying to join a club that only five other players ever have been able to achieve. And it's it's literally, I mean, and, and the players that aren't on that list are some of the best ever. So, you know, that's the thing for me. It's not, I don't, like, the success and the Masters and everything that comes with it is nice. But for me to be able to put my name alongside those guys for the rest of time, that's the, that's the pressure. So I don't know what that... I don't know how that compares to other sports and other guys and what they're trying to achieve, but um, that's the—that's what it is. That's the, and that's—is that it's pressure, but it's it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to do something very few people in the world have been able to do, and I'm I'm excited about that. When and you're like,
0: walking to the first tee on Thursday, what's what are you thinking? Is that anywhere in there? No,
4: that is the furthest thing from my mind the first the only thing i'm thinking about on that first tee shot is what i'm hitting off the tee where the wind is what shot i want to hit and that's it business just business just being 100% in the process of what can i do to help me achieve this dream of mine but putting that the furthest point from from my head
0: what do you remember
4: about the first time you went down magnolia lane I remember it was raining. remember it was rainy. Uh It was a cold... It was like I went... I played my first Masters in 2009, but I went like the February or March before that just to sort of get the, the wow factor out of the way because I think the first time you go to Augusta, there is a bit of a... It's this sort of mythical place for a lot of people. Um, so it was nice to get that out of the way, but it's still... You turn through the gates, you're driving down there, and it's like, it's like it's you know it's it's a it's a real goosebump sort of moment. Still? Really. Is it no, no, not, okay. not anymore. Not anymore. It's still cool when you get back there because it is such a cool place. But I think everyone remembers the first time they do that drive, and um, like I remember it and remember what was happening and how the weather was and whatever. But now I turn down it. It's still really cool, and I love taking other people down it for the first time to see their reaction. But. Uh, Yeah, when I get there, tournament week, it's business and, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about trying to, trying to win the tournament. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, you, man.
0: I appreciate so much Tiger and Rory taking the time to tell us so much about their lives. I cannot wait to get to Augusta this week to see the boys tee it up. Both of those guys are going to be in contention. I can't wait. Lord, people at Augusta must be thrilled. And while Rory and Tiger are global superstars, they're not the only global superstars on the Marty Miss America podcast. Not even close. We have a hotline, y'all. And on that hotline are some of the most ridiculous redneck tales you've ever heard. You should call us. Maybe your story will end up on the podcast. 860-516-1315. Call us and tell us your redneck tales. I know you got them. 860 516 one five. My guy Layton Smith down in Texas had an epiphany the other day, and he called us. Words, sayings were just a way of life. The bowl cut plus the mullet, the bullet. <laughs> this is hillbillyisms.
3: Hey Hi guys, it's late. I uh, uh, I was thinking about something. I had my wife bought some pants, some shorts the other day, and they had you know cuts in them and holes in them, and then today it. School down there, uh, there were some, some girls with some cuts and stuff and holes all in their dang pants. And I thought to myself, why would you buy something with holes in it already? And you know, it just, it just ticks me off that they would spend 60, 70, 80, 90 dollars on some pants that have holes in them when there ain't no point in having holes in your pants. That's why you got pants for, so they protect you. You ain't going to be doing no work in no pants with no holes in them. Uh, I mean, you know, if you want some pants with some holes in them, you just take them out there and build some pants or do some stuff like that and get some natural holes in them, and you don't got to spend that much money on them. Anyway, that was it. I just wanted to talk to you all about that. I was It was on my mind today, and we'll talk to you all later. Ferguson Waterwell's got a dang uh, baseball game tonight, so cheer us on. Later.
0: Leighton Smith is an American treasure, and I will say there are two things that Leighton Smith has in common with Nick Saban. Number one, he is a tremendous leader of young men. Number two, he hates holy jeans. Coach Saban, Jonathan, you'll remember this, yep. last year Coach Saban went on a full-blown rant during one of those press conferences about holes in jeans. God, God, God bless, bless you, greens. Leighton. God bless you, son. And, I, you know, I tend to agree. I don't understand that. I don't really understand spending, uh, you know, seventy, eighty, $100 yeah, on a hundred dollars. Yeah, man. But when it comes
1: in. when it comes to appraising your wife's fashion, there's only one answer.
0: It yes, man. Great. Yep, it looks beautiful. You look stunning. Awesome. You've never looked better. He'll learn. <laughs> Brother, thank you for hanging out today, that man. Was awesome, man. Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. Uh, Jonathan, we're gonna leave you. We're gonna leave you guys with Jonathan's expert analysis on Tiger Woods' potential to win the Masters this weekend. All right,
1: here you go. I'll keep this short. This is an instant analysis. Tiger Woods is really, really good
0: at golf. (laughs) We'll see you all next time. Thanks for hanging out. Listen, subscribe, rate, and review the Marty Smith's America podcast. It is our honor to get to have this opportunity to hang with you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time. Subscribe, rate, and review. The Marty Smith America podcast. We'll catch you next time.